Hello everyone and welcome back to the fourth episode of Kapos, brought to you by Monash Career Peer. This is your host Sarah, the head of public speaking and podcast department, here with our lovely speaker Tan Anchi, a second year undergraduate in the Bachelor's of Science, double majoring in medicinal chemistry and biotechnology. Wow. Our title for this carport is an interesting one. Tips on starting up your online business while studying in the current pandemic. What a mouthful. Our speaker started up her business in the end of 2020 and since then has gained over 3,000 followers and a consistent and ever-growing engagement on Instagram. She has started from scratch to build and nurture her account at Persephone9a on Instagram where she sells curated thrifted clothing from vintage pre-loves, even receiving shipments locally and internationally, such as even in the US. Thank you so much, Angie, for joining us today. We can't wait to hear your insights and how you managed to grow in a short time. Our first question, how did you find the passion to start your online business, despite heavy responsibilities as an undergraduate while double majoring? I actually started this shop during my year-end semester break, like Sarah mentioned, but not as a business, but as a platform to sell my pre-loved garments. I was clearing my closet and there were many garments I haven't worn in years or even maybe more than six months. So I had two options, either to donate to the Salvation Army or to create a platform where I can resell my clothes. Well, donating to the Salvation Army was a choice, but we do know that not all clothes there that was donated get rehomed. So the small business is my only choice, not small business, my platform was the only choice to resell my garments and to like, so that people people who actually want it will buy it. The small business only really began when I started seeing the beauty in pre-love and vintage garments, the quality of the clothing itself, the material meticulous lace and embroidery details. It's because clothing used to be made to last. So these clothes are usually more durable when compared to cotton-on clothes, which um, get frayed after 10 cycles, maybe less than that. Mm, that's true. The passion still continued, even though we had so many responsibilities and assignments. But my academics are still my main priority because I treat this small business as a side hobby and I do whenever I'm feeling exhausted and nothing can go into my head. I guess I just really like looking at clothes. It's like looking, it's like going shopping, mm-hmm. but, but more sustainable. <laughs> Which is why I'm never tired. Instead, I treated it as a guilty pleasure. Mm. It's really noble that you want it to these clothes but it's such a shame that even the Salvation Army will eventually just recycle most of the clothes itself. It's great that you can sell these clothes where they can find new homes that they can really enjoy staying in. So for our next question, what are some of the hurdles you face as an online business during this pandemic? Definitely sourcing, especially sourcing for clothes. Because if it comes, when it comes to clothes, before the cases went up to 20,000 when the cases were probably below 100. I would usually hand-pick my clothes individually from thrift stores and bundle shops. But during the lockdown, I spent most of my time looking for bundle suppliers and sellers that sell in bulk. Needless to say, I suffered a lot of losses when I took my first big risk to buy a 45kg bundle. And yeah, like just now when you mentioned when you donate to the Salvation Army, the ones that don't get sold will normally be recycled and turned into bundles where they will sort and package uh, depending on dresses, pants or anything. And 
suppliers after they sort it and bundle it up they will sell it to you from in a price range of 600 to 1000 wow. and you don't get to handpick any of the clothes inside so if you are lucky the bundle of clothes inside usually ranging 200 to 300 pieces most of them can be sold but if you're unlucky, like me, only 30% can sell and the remaining 70% cannot sell mainly due to major defects, stains and tears. So my advice to those who plan to start their own second-hand clothing business, if you plan to buy bundles, look for smaller ones like 10kg from sellers and then slowly branch out there when you find the proper sellers. Only recently, I finally found a seller that knows my style and handpicked so many beautiful garments for me. You guys check out her Instagram account and you see such beautiful garments for sale. And I'm so sorry to hear that you spent a lot of money and then turns out most of them can't be sold. But like, you know, it's a rocky path, but you're flourishing now and that's great to see. <laughs> so what are some pointers you would give to our audience when they want to start a business? What if they want to be as successful as possible? What are some advices? When you first start as a business, not as a platform to sell your like to resell, maybe you can start with a you can plan a story or a background behind your brand. Mm-hmm. It's quite important to have a meaning behind when you started your business. And what's the meaning behind your name and the brand itself? What are you trying to portray? What are you trying to explain to your community of audience? And allocate some money to invest in your business when you first start. Don't invest too much though. Like don't be too excited. Start small first. Explore with suppliers. It does take a while to find the one best suited for you, but it eventually pays off when you find the perfect one or maybe the one that really understands what you want. And don't stick to one supplier. Mix around because you're not you're not sure whether the supplier will just suddenly disappear or not. Initially, you can ask help for shoutouts from other small businesses that are big and maybe when you gain around 200 followers, you can start using the promotion button which, which requires you to pay based on your budget and choice of amount of days. Why use only prom- why use the promotion button only after you reach 200? It's because if you promote right away, people will really follow because they're not sure if they can trust you or not and they are they will only follow if something is of interest to them. And lastly, have a separate bank account to manage your cash flow and also to prevent scammers. Because if you have a one bank account that's solely for you to use and for the cash transactions to occur, you'll get a bit messy and you won't be able to do like your accounting stuff if you are really serious about uh, profit. True, having a separate bank account will be really useful to be honest, especially if you're not really in the business realm of accounting and stuff. And it's a really great point that you gave about using promotions after reaching a safe amount of followers. So based on that, what are some tips on how to maintain or even increase engagement on Instagram? Consistency. This was pretty hard for me to maintain unless I was doing it full-time or you plan to do it full-time because when I first started, I used to struggle with this one and kind of made it an obligation for myself to post few stories every day or use like ask me anything or even polls on Instagram. But after you establish a loving community, you will slowly, gradually, you don't have to really do that because 
the community will follow you regardless of whether you post every day or not. But when you first started, you have to be active so that people will be interested in what you're doing. You can post like behind the scenes, a work in progress, or like, oh, photo taking, photo shooting time and everything. This will engage with them like, oh, you're doing something, like you're preparing for a job and you can't wait for that job. Like, there's a lot of things you can engage with your audience. Being consistent is really hard, but if you have the will to do it, you find a way. <laughs> what are some pointers to make your brand unique and stand out from other businesses? How did you choose your name and your themes? My name for Persephone Nine Dot A. Persephone itself, I came, I had this name in my mind because I came across this Twitter quote where. If Persephone can be the goddess of spring and the queen of the underworld, why do you have to stick between the feminine style than opting for a grungy, heavy metal style? You can do both. You don't have to stick to one. So like, my N9 is actually my birth date and A is my initial. And Persephone itself was an idea I wanted to use, not use, like an idea I wanted my customers to experience that you don't only have to focus on a certain style. I would I prefer to curate a wide spectrum of styles for my customers to choose from whether they like fairy core or academia or even grunge fairy core. Honestly it's all personal preference. But yeah aesthetics do play a part play a major part. How you present your products through visuals also reflects the amount of interest in your items. You must maintain a consistent aesthetic. Not to say that you only follow a certain style, but let's say you're dropping a collection, you should maintain like a same neat aesthetic so that it looks it flows nicely and looks neat. Good lighting to take pictures. I personally prefer natural sunlight over studio light because studio light looks quite harsh on me. And the color and arrangement of your feet, like your highlight icons, do you want it to be uh, coherent or you want it to be contrasting? Mm. Secondly is packaging. This is one of my main priorities, the unboxing experience. Think of it as if like you were to receive a package, how would you want to open it and what do you want in it? You can include business cards, thank you cards, care guide cards. And for your wrapping, you can use boxes, coloured tissue paper, honeycomb wrapping papers, and even include freebies. Whether you want to draw on it or use origami to, as a way to wrap it, it's all up to your creativity. But I would like to highlight on sustainability as well. If you can keep your packaging as minimal to no plastic usage at all, it will be very much appreciated by the community. I have seen very little to no com- no sellers who use plastic. They most of them try to use either paper or reuse paper. Like I used to pack my parcels in magazine paper, but recently I have switched to tissue paper because of the concerns regarding the leakage of inks into the garments. So my my package now is mainly tissue paper, paper twine, and a compostable mailer. For new businesses who want to be, who want to opt for sustainable mailers, they can uh, look for this brand known as Startarchy. They have a compostable mailer that degrades after 180 days. But of course, 
it costs more than normal mailers but if you are willing to pay for that option why not all this take a lot of time effort and care but it pays off mm-hmm. that's true and sustainability is in the long run also i didn't know that about your name such a lovely backstory and it really intertwines with your morals and values of starting an account that's really great thank you so much for sharing Okay, based on everything you said, it sounds like a lot of work though. So what are some advice on time management to juggle and balance academics, work, as well as sleep? I would say you can plan out your day, maybe make a to-do list like what people would normally say. But uh, my schedule is usually from 7 to 3. It's mainly uni work. And during that duration, I would use the Pomodoro method on YouTube. My favorite is usually 15 minutes of focus and 10 minutes of rest, where I will focus 15 minutes to do as much as I can. And when it's time to rest, I'll use that time to think of a theme for my next collection, or even take pictures. Usually, two to three pieces of clothing within that 10 minutes. With eight hours of uni for myself per day, I manage to squeeze in 80 minutes of taking pictures, which can be accumulated for a collection. From 3 to 4 p.m. onwards, I will choose to relax, exercise, create, take pictures. Anything to take my mind off assignments so that I don't burn out that easily. But of course, there will be weeks where all assignments are due on the same week and there's no time to relax or no time to even drop a collection. And there will also be days where I just want to lay in bed and not be productive. My main advice I would give is to know what to prioritize and when to. And try your best not to procrastinate as much as we all want to. <laughs> mm, that's true. It's really tiring to stay focused in uni. But as I said before, life isn't a race with others. It's a race with yourself. Yes. <laughs> My very last question for today. Have you ever had to deal with scammers during your business? And if so, how did you deal with them? What steps can we all take to maintain caution when dealing with these tricky buyers? I've dealt with two so far, wow. fortunately or unfortunately. <laughs> But the first one was a customer who apparently wants to buy a garment for a cousin who lives in Terengganu, which I thought wouldn't go wrong because Malaysia. So I was like, oh okay. So I went about and sent my bank account number for transfer along with RM, the total amount which is RM60 and my name as well. Lo and behold. She apparently transferred an extra six hundred ringgit to me and wanted a refund, but I did not receive any money in my bank account. The perpetrator then insisted that I check my spam mail, which did pop up that I have to make a refund or action will be taken against me. My God! <laughs> Initially, I was really afraid, but I realized how unprofessional the email was, and she kept on harassing me with multiple attempts of video call and threats. Don't note that she did, she wasn't only targeting me; she was targeting like all other businesses by telling them the same excuse. Oh, I'm buying it from my cousin Terengganu. Oh, yeah. So I would recommend whoever that goes through this, which I hope never, don't ever make refunds unless it is really accidental, like your customer paid an extra eight ringgit shipping fee. Even if there is apparently an extra six hundred ringgit in your bank account, contact your bank immediately to let them know, because who in the right mind would accidentally transfer six hundred ringgit to you? After contacting them, change your password immediately as they will still attempt to log into your account using their own methods with your name and account number. The second scam was using PayPal. 
I usually accept PayPal for international customers as bank transfers tend to take up a higher percentage of your money. And in order for PayPal to occur, the seller has to provide their email address which is connected to their bank account. So there was this scammer who requested to pay using PayPal, which I provided my email address. The only suspicious thing this time using PayPal was that she asked for a code which was sent to my email. And to those who don't use PayPal, the code is basically is a verif- verification code to reset your email and password. By doing so, they can change your email to theirs and ultimately steal your bank account. The email usually starts with a code, so sellers are unaware and do not read through the email sent by PayPal as they think it's maybe another way for transaction to occur. Wow, it's kind of horrible that people still take advantage of small business owners. Wish we could all have each other's backs during this time. I'm glad you managed to escape these cameras and survive unscathed. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Anchi. It's truly been such a pleasure to get to know you and have you here with us. I truly hope our listeners gain new knowledge today and new insights as well to start a new account. And for future business owners, I truly hope you will succeed well with these insights. Would you like to say anything to our listeners before we end the podcast? All the best if you're small businesses and stay safe. Yes, stay safe. Thank you so much. This was a carport hosted by Monash Career Peer.